Amen. I want to get right into something today. And uh, music speaks to me. I oftentimes um, start thinking on, of sermons. And I start, uh, God just sparks something in me from a song. And uh, it's just, you know, we all have our own language. And uh, we speak American English here. So if you were to speak even some um, London, England English, right? Going to have their own words that we're not going to understand, even though it's close. And for whatever reason, just so many times, I'll just wake up with a song or I'm just singing it in my spirit, don't even know it. And um, I started actually this week writing this sermon and, for, and didn't even realize why it was in my spirit. And it was a song TJ was going to sing today. It was the first time we sang that song, My Victory. And it was actually in my spirit all week. And I'm writing this sermon, and then I didn't even connect the dots that we're about to sing this today and declare it today in this church until yesterday. I came into Dawn, and I was like, we're singing that song tomorrow. She says, yeah. I'm like, well, that's what I, I just felt like that's where the Lord... He's going on and on, about, on and on to me about his victory all week. So that's really cool to me. And that's what I want to speak about today, Christ's victory for you, and that we are victorious. You are an overcoming, victorious Christian. You are right now. I want you to say it right now. I am victorious. I am an overcoming Christian. That's not a pep talk. That's not a motivational speech. And I'm not trying to tell you something that's not true. This is what the word says in John. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. I want you to see these verses as we need to do always when we read them as fact. When we are reading the Bible, we're not reading a book amongst other religious books. It's not an opinion. In fact, this wasn't John even writing this. It was only his hand that God used to pen these words. But you need to read the word. You need to hear the word as fact. And the Bible says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And it goes on to, because it's following from chapter 4, it's finishing up a, a thought process that John was painting that there's this connection between when you love God, you love his people as well. And he's finishing that thought here in the beginning of chapter 5. And it says, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And then he says, and we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And God creates this connection here. He creates this connection out of us between believing in Christ is a child of God. But if you're a child of God, then you're also going to love A and B you're going to be obedient to him. Well, that makes a lot of sense because in verse 3, loving God means, this is the definition of loving God, to love God or the love of God is, right? Depending on your translation, the love of God is. Loving God means keeping his commandments. 
That's actually the love of God. So it's not a coincidence here that John's painting this picture because Jesus said, I can sum up all of the commandments into two. The, all the law and all the commandments and everything that I am, I'm going to give you two because who is like me that if you tell me more than two things at once, I got to start writing stuff down. <laughs> I can handle a couple of numbers, a couple of names, and it's like, all right, hold on. I have a good memory, but not that good. But Jesus said, I'll make it real simple because we're all preschoolers. There's only two. And I'm going to simplify it even more. Just love God and love people. Love God and love people. Jesus said, you do those two things and you'll be perfect. Just love God and love people. So he says, loving God means keeping his commandments. And in verse 2, loving his children also. And what I saw is, and it says, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, this is very interesting. I, just bridging the gap, I'm done with the series that we were doing in Exodus, but to bridge the gap from a thought that I left you with last week, that the burden, it's just law, it's just a book, it's just religion when it hasn't gotten to your heart. Remember, because Moses had a heart encounter with God, right? And the people of Israel down at the bottom of the mountain, they stepped back. We read that they drew back, right? They drew back. They didn't want to get into the presence of God. For, and we do that for all kinds of reasons. They have their reasons of fear and, and, uh, and, and, or even that we, we don't want to get too close to him because he's going to expose what's in us. But as we draw close, the law gets written on our hearts. That's New Testament. That's a believer. It's literally written. It's imprinted on your heart. You start knowing right and wrong when you say yes to Jesus. Does that mean you're perfect as soon as you walk out the doors of a church? No. But is the Holy Spirit immediately working on you? Yes. And I've said this before, but you lead someone to the Lord and then find them in a few weeks, right? And let's say they've been stumbling or they've even walked away, and that happens that quickly. And I've asked them this question, and you can do the same. I challenge you, do this, and, and you're going to get the same response out of them. It's also a good way to encourage them to get back around people of God, to get back around the Word, because this is what happens. They, I'll ask them, what happened when, as soon as you left, I mean, even our conversation, Lie to me and tell me you didn't feel something inside you that told you not to do something that day. And they all laugh. They laugh because they, immediately they're convicted. The Holy Spirit immediately starts working on you. Immediately. You're not perfect, but immediately, immediately he's going to start working on you, causing you. And this is what we need. We need that same place. But the reason they fall away is they push, they end up pushing the Holy Spirit away. It's not God abandoning you. God has not abandoned you. He didn't make you say yes. And you said that on your own account and you need to just keep saying yes. Every time you're challenged and you're gonna fall a thousand times in a day and you just keep saying, forgive me, Lord, like you did the first time. And yes, again, it's a very simple gospel we make it confusing, but that's how simple it is. And so uh, we find that Jesus says that this is it. Everyone who believes, and, and then because you believe, 
you love. See, in John chapter 8, we had this encounter with Jesus and the Jews. In John chapter 8, he's, he's, he's talking to his own people. He was prophesied to come to the church of the day was the Jews. If it were right here, right now, and Jesus was to show up, whether uh, you believe in the fullness of the entire word or not, you have a curiosity about Jesus, you're in this building, or you're around Christians, you want to kind of know about him. Well, when he stands in front of you, there should be something in you that kind of rings, okay, this is Jesus that I've been interested about. This is the one that I've been curious about. That's why when God starts preparing our hearts, and he's working on our hearts always, and I don't believe that that's some people and not others in the earth. I believe he's working on every single heart that's ever been born. We're just stubborn. But he's working on us, and then so then when the gospel is spoken, when the truth comes that you've already been prepped for, if you're willing to put aside your own flesh, your own desires, your own plans, your own purposes, and put that truth inside you, something begins to happen. And he's having this encounter with them, and they should have been um, joyfully saying, yes, Jesus is here. Instead, they're saying, you know, our father is Abraham. They get, all, they get religious on him, and they, and they step back, and, and the, the very system and uh, the religious things that weren't bad in themselves because they were pointing to Christ, but they got so focused on going through the motions and works of religion and here's God himself in the flesh right in front of them. And he says in verse 23 of chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world and I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe, so you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. So there's A, Jesus says from his own mouth, there's A, there's belief in me. Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. It doesn't matter what religion you are practicing. It doesn't matter all your belief systems. It's me and me alone. You believe in me or not. If you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. In verse 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. If we're calling God our Father, if we're believing in Christ, there's this love that comes out of us. You would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. And what Jesus is showing us, this connection between our belief in him and love for him. This is an interesting thought that I was just pondering with the Lord. Can I believe in you, Jesus, and not love you? Can I say I believe in you, but not have to love you? Because I can believe that something exists. <laughs> I can believe in things. But I may not invest part of me into it. And the true belief that Jesus actually is pointing us to is a belief that invests all of us into it. It's love. If you say you believe, but you don't love Jesus, then you don't fully believe. That's what he said. You say, well, God's my father. He said, God's not your father unless you love me. 
Plain and simple. He just paints the picture straight up for us, which is awesome. I, I'm glad that God's straight to the point, aren't you? He's a very mysterious God, but he's not mysterious about his relationship with us. He's mysterious because he wants to be, because it causes this thing in us to search him out. And he's faithful, though, that when we search for him, what's the word say? We will find him. That part of his mystery I love. But the part that's not mysterious, it was, and now it's been opened and exposed, and that mystery is gone. It's the truth. I love that he's straight about that. And what he's showing us is that if you're a child of God, if you believe, then you love Jesus. And Jesus says, going back to 1 John chapter 5, I just needed to paint that picture because it's so key that we see that it says, that if we love, because I didn't want the argument, I'm, you know, the thing is we're all cynics and skeptics and, and we all divide and we're all looking for the gray. We're all looking for that way to cheat, the way to get around, right? We're all, we were driving home the other day and there's a shoulder that's not actually a lane, is it? Who knows that shoulders are not lanes? But technically, there's enough room on there for a car, isn't there? We're all looking for that way to cheat and get around everybody else who's waiting, doing the right thing in traffic, even though it's very annoying and frustrating and unchristian things were coming out of me, which I repented for. No, I was just very frustrated. It's frustrating towing a 37-foot trailer in traffic. And then someone's going on your shoulder. That's our human nature. We're looking for that way around and Jesus just tells us straight, listen, there's no way around. It's through me and me alone. You believe in me, that means you love me. But he tells us, if you love me, if we love God, which means you have to love Jesus, you obey his commandments. Now, religion makes that very hard, doesn't it? Your mind right now in this very moment, when you hear the word commandment, it's not me and it's not this something mysterious coming through the Bible right now to you. It's your flesh, your human nature right now is instantly, we're all like the rest of us, so maybe not, but if you're like me right now, your mind starts shaking. You get a little bit tense when you hear the word commandment. Or if you hear the word no, or do not, or you can't, etc., right? What happens in our human nature? Even though most of us, most people, maybe not New Yorkers, are submissive and they let it go. Something, your first response is when someone pushes against you, someone tells you no, someone says stop. Your first response in human nature is to push back. And that's what's, what happens in us in our flesh and in our minds. But Jesus said, Jesus spoke through John, right? Who's writing this book? Is it John? Jesus is writing a love letter to you. And he said, my commandments, verse 3, are not burdensome. Well, how's that possible? How is it possible that 
It's very burdensome to have to do tasks and have to fulfill things and have to do this and do that and get everything right, get your life perfect and get your mind perfect and, oh, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. It gets frustrating, it's confusing, it's overwhelming in your mind, isn't it? It's because we just need, and he told us the key right in there, we need to go back to loving Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. The key is right inside of the verse. You will not honor God. You will not obey him unless you love him. There is a certain element that fear will take you to. I love the fear of the Lord. We don't talk about that in church much anymore. But I love the fear of the Lord. It's not, I'm afraid of God. We talked about that in this last series. You're not afraid of him, but there's this healthy fear, just like a child of his father, that if I do this, that it might be a repercussion. There's a healthy fear that if you steal something and get caught by the police, that you'll probably be arrested. That doesn't mean we all walk around afraid. No, that means you just don't steal, (laughs) right? The fear doesn't make you afraid. It just causes, hopefully, there's a reason that prisons are overflowing. Hopefully, you don't. But the the reason is because we don't. We want to do what we want to do. Thank God that in this church, those thieves that were thieves have been forgiven. But that's the reality of our human nature. That's it. We push. We do what we want to do. And God shows us the key. You just need to fall more and more and more and more in love with him. The more in love we fall with him, the less your human nature wants to do anything. You start hating. You know, they have this this thing where, as Christians, we can look at an old story, the old you, you know, that past of you. And there's a certain humor to the stupid and foolish things you did when you weren't a believer. But there's also this thing in you, as you become a mature Christian and start loving God more, there's this thing in you that starts to also, you can laugh, but also you, really, you can't fully laugh. It starts to not actually be that funny anymore. Because the Christ in you, the, the love in you the, in Christ starts, starts just making the flesh in you and your mind in you, and those things just start going. They start going. And this is what it says. He says in verse four, he says, for every child, who's a child of God? We just pounded this. I spent all those minutes. Who's the child of God? We are. And we love him, right? We may not love him as much as we want to. There's a song, another song I love. I love you, Lord, but I want to love you more. That's the heart that he's looking for. We love him. We want to be obedient, not because we have to, but because we love him. And the word tells us as fact for every child of God. Who's a child of God? I'm going to say it again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And it says, verse 4, that every child of God defeats or overcomes this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. 
This statement is not an if statement. The only if is if, is if you've chosen to believe in God. Have you made Jesus the love of your life? That's the only if. Once your eyes are set on him and your affection is towards him, once your love is towards him, there's not something that you need to try to do. Because the Bible says that when you love him, the commandments just start. They're written on your heart. They just start flowing out of you. Your life just starts walking. You just start walking and working them out without helping it. And this is what the Lord wanted to preach to you today. All of that points to this, that if you're a child of God, you are victorious right here, right now. Immediately what we do in our minds is we lay it out. We go, well, wait a second. I love him, but I'm still believing for this. And Lord, I know you've been working on me in this area. And we go down the list with God. Who goes down a checklist with God sometimes? We're not supposed to. We go, well, this is right. That's right. If you're a hypocrite, like that song, you got all check marks on your list and you're like, I'm good. You're just a hypocrite. You do, it's not all good. It's all good in his eyes through his blood, but you are a work in progress. And this is the thing that, that believers need to know. Instantaneously in God's eyes, you're perfect. But this body that you have to drag around and walk with, hopefully for many years, not with the sin, but hopefully you have some life to live here before eternity, that thing doesn't want to submit. That body, that flesh, doesn't want to be perfect. And that's what I've been talking about. We naturally want to break rules and laws. We have chosen just as a good society that we don't, but we're hypocrites because what we do is we don't steal, we don't murder, we don't do the big ones, but all the little ones that we feel like we can get away with, like driving on the shoulder because no one's going to catch us, we all do. I'm not saying, I'm not e talking about heaven and hell. I'm not talking about dividing lines of what's, where sin is and where you, you're going to go to heaven and go to hell. I'm just talking about our hearts, that our nature is when we can get away with something and do something and not get caught and, and go around and get in the gray, we can talk ourselves into it in 50 different ways and even use scripture to justify it. That's your flesh nature. But thank God that the way he sees you is right here. Child of God is someone who believes and loves him. Someone who believes and loves him. If you believe and you love you don't worry about where you need to get in your life. I know this is like, wow, this is very backwards thinking for our nature. We plan everything out. We figure everything out. It's okay. I mean, even in our minds, it's silly, but that's sin. Check. I finally dealt with that thing. Bam. Check. Now I'm going to deal with this one. That's fine if that's the Holy Spirit doing that in you, but you don't need to worry about that. 
I know this is very, very contrary. This is very odd thinking for us. God looks at you as one who has defeated, one who has overcome, one who is victorious through your faith right here, right now. He is not surprised, as I, even, I said during worship, by your past. As far as he is concerned, today is a brand new day. This moment is brand new. And this moment for you can be the exact, just like the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. Just make this moment right now, that moment again. Lord, forgive me. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. You make that your heart like Jesus told us to, and everything else starts falling into line. He said, verse 5, and who can win this battle against the world? He's asking a question, but the answer is going to be right here for us to read. It's not a question for you to wonder about. Who can win this battle against the world? What's it say? Let's read it out loud. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So what this verse is actually telling us, it's a question, but it's actually a statement. Because if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you are a believer, you can win this battle against the world. The devil will lie to you and tell you a thousand times that you're not going to win this battle. He'll say, fine, you got over this and you got over that, but this battle, you're just going to have to deal with this until the end. I made the point to say we're a work in progress because we need to be aware of that. The devil's not lying to us if he's telling you to work in progress. That's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. He's perfectly fine with that. What the devil will do is try to trap you in that thing. And actually, by telling you that you can't win this, you accept it and live with it. You were not meant to. Even though his love, he looks at you as if you are clean and pure. He doesn't see that. Christ is on this side cleaning you up. He's looking through his blood at you as a perfect. He, when he sees you, he actually sees Jesus on the cross, the perfect spotless lamb. But on the other side of the blood, God's eyes are blind to your sin, is Jesus over here. It says that he's pleading for us. He's fighting for you. He paid a big price for you, and he's over here taking those things from you. The devil is lying to you that you can't get over that, that you'll never get through this, that you're, you can't get past this thing, that this thing is just who I am. That's a lie. It's not who you are. Let's together. I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and that means I will win every battle against this world. That's the truth. And what we can do as Christians so many times is we, we love God's grace. 
I mean, I thank him for his grace second by second. But his grace is there to help you and cover you and protect you, but it is not a license. It's not a license. If you take God's grace and use it as a license, you're already, you don't love Christ. You, let's just go right, that's why I pounded it like we're preschoolers. Let's just go right back. Then it's possible that you don't fully believe. Because if you believed, then you'd be in love with him. And if you're in love with him, then you'd be obedient because you're in love with him. But if there's something in you that says, I'm going to try, I think I can get away with this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and the devil's lying and you're accepting the lie that, you know what, this is just who I am and thank God for his grace because that's who I am. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not who you are. God sees you perfect, but you are not, if it's, it's, it's such a, everything in God is thin lines. You start going through the word, it's all thin lines. It's like that in anything in life. I mean, what's the point where I actually stole something? If someone's stealing from me, but I take it back, am I stealing? Right? So I'm not asking for an answer, but I'm stealing back what they stole from me. But it's just, that's what life is. It's thin lines. And there's a point. There's a point of grace. And I love it. Well, there's a point where you just cross over. And don't tell me you don't know. Don't tell me you didn't know when you crossed over and you start abusing his grace to do what you want to do. And I'm not talking about just major sins. I'm just talking about you just decide, well, I'm going to put God on the shelf for a little while because I got things to do. Wow, pastor, you mean that's the same as murder? Well, in God's eyes, it is. Unbelief, fear, doubt. We don't list these things in with uh, murder and with sexual sin. But it's very simple. There is only one plan of the enemy against you. Of course, he uses a thousand and one different devices against you. But he's trying to get you to do one thing, doubt God. As soon as you doubt God, you doubt who he is, your belief. As soon as you do that, you're already walking down a path. You start making up your own theologies and your own thing and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you are on a path headed away from God already. He's looking for a heart that believes every word he says. It doesn't matter whether you like it <laughs> or agree with it. Jesus said it, and if it's burdensome to you, don't be condemned. I'm not here to condemn, but if you feel burdened by following God, then just go back to the first commandment. It's such a simple gospel. If you feel burdened, then just cry out to the Lord. Lord, I don't want this in my life. Devil, you're a liar. This is not staying with me anymore. I want Christ. And you do that. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect instantly, but you are on the right direction. And I'm going to prove that to you. It says in... Let me make a statement actually first. That just because you haven't seen or experienced the victory, listen though, seen 
or experienced the victory. Right, Gavin? Gavin got some preview. Just because you haven't seen or experienced the victory yet doesn't mean, A, it's not already working, or B, that it's not on its way. You only have to do one thing as a believer. You ready? And I've shown you this before. For those listening, put your hands up, your eyes towards heaven, I surrender. I love you, Jesus. You don't worry about what it looks like, what it feels like, and even, and this is where grace is a fine line, even what's coming out of you and you're doing. You might not be acting Christ-like yet, but your eyes are pointed towards him, and that's all you want. And you don't worry about these things. Now, again, that's such a fine line because if you, you know, I'm just talking to you, if you know in your heart, if you're looking towards Christ, you're looking towards Christ. If those things that are coming out of you are out of the heart that you want to do those things, then that's just between you and the Lord, right? I've said that. I'm not saying that again. Listen to what happened to Daniel in chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. We don't need to do these. This was Old Testament religious things, but it was just his way of saying, God, I'm not going to try, I want to push aside all the pleasures and I'm just push aside me in this world. And that's what they would do. They'd put on, they'd make themselves feel uncomfortable. It was happening in their heart. They were just putting on something on their body to reflect what was already happening in their heart. You can do this in your heart, all right? You can put on burlap and ashes in your heart and say, Lord, I'm pushing aside everything that I want to do and everything I want to be for some time because I need you. And he says, he prayed and he fasted. Verse 17. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. And he continues to pray and plead for him. And then in verse 21, it says, as I was praying. Come on, church, I want you to say out loud. As I was praying. Praying. You are a victorious church. The Bible says it as fact. You are walking in victory if you're believing in Christ. If your eyes are set on Him, you're in victory. It doesn't matter what you think your life should be like, where you think you should be, what you think should be in it or out of it. If that part is right, you let God be God because it says, as I was praying, and this is the same for us here today, Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Verse 23, the moment, come on, people, let's, let's say this out loud, the moment... Let's say it again. The moment I began to pray. The moment you began to pray. The church needs to start praying. The church needs to start looking to Christ again. 
We're not a mess because we need more groups and clubs. We're a mess because we need to look to Christ again. We need to pray again. We need to fast again. If there's something in your life or there's something in your neighbor's life, your friend's life, your spouse's life, get on your face and start praying and fasting for them. That's the only answer. That is the one and only answer. And God gave us a promise preserved in his word that the moment you cry out to him, the moment you prayed, the moment you fasted, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, it was for you are very precious to God. That's God's view of you. You are very precious to God. And then he begins to give him an answer to his prayer. I know it's Father's Day, but can I say one more thing? I see it's 1215. One more thing. Just Daniel again. I won't get into anything else. Daniel does this again in chapter, a chapter later, chapter 10. This time, though, and this is going to make some more sense for us. This is going to speak to, I think, a lot of us here. It says that he cries out and he seeks God again because God starts showing him some things. It says a future times of war and hardship. God starts showing Daniel that there's some hardship, there's some things ahead of them. So what's he do? What do we do? We can do some natural things, right? We can do natural things to prepare for hardship and war. We do those things. I'm not saying that when there's something in your life that you, that you do nothing in the natural, you're still gonna set some ducks in a row a little bit in your life, right? If there's some, a crisis in your life, then remove yourself as much as you can from the crisis in the natural. That's not a bad thing. But then he starts seeking God. He starts praying and fasting again. And it says, it says that he fasted and he prayed. And verse 11, and the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. I love that he says that again to us. The Lord doesn't just hear us. He wants you to know how precious you are to him. He wants you to know the moment you pray, before you prayed, actually, because Christ showed us that. He said, I died on the cross. I'm paraphrasing. Before you even committed the sins you were going to commit because I loved you. And he says, you're very precious to God. So listen carefully what I have, what I have to say to you. Stand up for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Look what it says in verse 12. What's it say there? Since the, the first day you began to pray. But it says in verse 2 that I had been in mourning for three whole weeks. And the angel comes to him three weeks later and says, sorry, you know, God's just got a lot to do. He's busy. And we just thought we'd watch you pinball around with the devil for a while. That was a lot of fun. Since the first day, there's two things here. First of all, again, 
God hears you the moment you cry out. That's the right thing to do in your crisis. You're going through something in your life. Cry out to God. Get before him. Your victory is fact. It's not a question. When you put yourself before him, his word says it's fact, period. But your mind says, God, it's been three weeks. Your mind says, God, it's been three years. Your mind says, God, it's been 30 years. You need to push aside the natural. You need to push aside what you think in here, because we've already established this thing gets you into a whole bunch of trouble, and the devil's going to try to get you to doubt. He's going to get you to wonder. He's going to get you into worry. He's going to get you into fear. You set your eyes on Christ, and the circumstances, your surroundings are irrelevant. The first moment you began to pray, God heard you, and I have come in answer to your prayer. Let's stand. Now, a whole bunch I could have said. The Lord said what he wanted to say. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Our minds make such a mess, Lord, of a simple gospel. We love you. We want to serve you. We want to know you. We're not going to listen to the lies anymore, Lord. We're not going to stay stuck in the places that you said you're free from. We're also not going to worry and strive that it's not exactly what we'd like it to look like yet. We're just going to set our eyes on you, Lord. And the time frame is irrelevant. It's not even in our minds. We have prayed and God said, my victory is coming. We have prayed and it's on its way. We have sought your face. I was in a tough place, so I prayed. This person in my life was in a tough place, so I prayed. And the answer is on its way. Victory is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.